Hey everybody, Steven here. Just a quick note before we get started with our ACC preview episode. We did originally record this episode on Wednesday evening, so before the college football world got turned topsy-turvy, upside down, with all of the recent realignment moves. So none of that is covered in this episode. We did spend about the first 10, 10 and a half minutes here talking about Florida State's Board of Trustees meeting, and that is the same conversation that was posted by itself in the previous episode. So if you don't feel like hearing about that, you feel like it's outdated, or you just want to talk about football, hear about football, and you're sick of the realignment conversation, you can skip ahead to about the 11-minute mark when we get into really the heart of our ACC preview here. If you are looking for some more realignment conversation, we will have an episode coming out in the next day or so uh, with our reaction to all of the big news that has taken place over the past couple of days. This is Tailgate Till May, your place for year-round college sports talk. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgi, and I'm excited to be back for another episode. I'm joined today by my friends and co-hosts, Brian Kaufman and Ben Crowley, and today we're going to be diving into the ACC and previewing the football season ahead. But first, Brian, you were not here last time when Brian, when Ben and I discussed the Pac-12, both very dug in and on our favorite Pac-12 teams. I'm a Washington man. Ben is a Utah Ute all the way, so I got to start the show with this. Where do you stand on the Pac-12? Fight on, baby. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm telling you, I love what they did defensively in the transfer portal. I'm not. I this. You know, this isn't the Pac-12 episode. I missed it. You know, I don't. I don't get much time here. Listen, Alex Grinch still the defensive coordinator. That is not good. That's not a plus in my book. Um, but they added talent at all three levels on defense, which is where they need to improve. I think they'll be explosive on offense. I think like this is what's so fun about preview season this year is like. The Pac-12 is not the only one, but it, it it's a prime example of like there's a betting favorite that like you kind of got to talk yourself into a bit. And there's three or four or five teams that realistically could compete, which is why I think the season is going to be so fun. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker. I, I love Caleb Williams. I think that he's going to absolutely light it up. Um, and that's where I the come Pac-12 down. Pac-12 seems like the conference where we all three have the strongest, most differing opinions. So I already got my Husky Howl soundbite. What I'm going to need for each of you, I'm going to need a Utah Ute soundbite for you, Ben, and some sort of Trojan soundbite for you, Brian, because it seems like we're all we're all very passionate about this conference. I think it's going to be the most fun league in the country, and we need some soundbites for it. Can we do like a Soldier Boy you? Yeah, this is homework. This is homework for you, Ben. You got to figure out what you want to represent. Take this offline. (laughs) This is your homework. Well, I just want to make sure I wasn't missing something. USC has the only song that they know how to play, as all the Notre Dame fans I know like to affectionately call it. Uh, But that that's not a good soundbite. It's just their normal song, the band song. You know it. That's also not a very good burn from the. Is that what they say to them? They say it's the only song you know how to play. You only know how to play. This is the only song we know. The only song we know. Yeah, so that's what they do. Seems like you like it. It's it's hilariously (laughs) bad burn. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we cut down, you know, word count matters when you're trying to like jab somebody. So you each have homework. We'll get that figured out before the football season starts. But tonight we are talking about the ACC. And unfortunately, for the second preview in a row, we have to start by talking about off the field stuff within the conference that we're previewing, because the big news of this week within ACC world is the Florida State Board of Trustees meeting that took place on Wednesday afternoon. And I'm going to play a soundbite here. Here is what Florida State President Richard McCullough had to say. The issue at hand is, you know, what can we do uh, to uh, um, allow ourselves to be competitive in football and uh, get what I think, you know, uh, selfishly is the revenue that we deserve in our media uh, situation. Um, I think this continues to be a very difficult uh, issue. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world of conference realignment the, the, uh, with the, uh, the PAC deal uh, imminent um, and lots of lots of things are going on. 
I would have to say that my <clears throat> current assessment of the situation after very deep analysis is that I believe that FSU um, will have to, at some point, uh, consider very seriously uh, leaving the ACC unless there were uh, a radical change to the revenue distribution. So that's the long and the short of it right there is FSU essentially once again says we want to leave the ACC in far more words than that. The whole meeting probably could have been boiled down to we want more money from the ACC or else we're going to leave. But you know what, guys? You guys seen the Christmas classic movie, A Christmas Story. It's only on TBS and TNT like 8,000 times throughout the month of December. Are you guys familiar with that movie? Uh, they have. Yes. It's a 24-hour special. Excuse you. Yeah, it sure is. So you know what Florida State reminds me of right now? They remind me of little Ralphie trying to wish getting that Red Rider BB gun into existence. Because Florida State, at every chance they get, is trying to implant this in the heads of everybody throughout the country that they have the opportunity, the ability to leave the ACC. But all they're doing right now is they're just trying to wish this into existence. Because if they had the opportunity, if they had the ability to go to the Big Ten right now, they'd be in the Big Ten. Same thing with the SEC. If they had an offer to go to the SEC right now, they would already be in the SEC. Because you know what we heard a lot about when it comes to conference realignment? Things that never happened. We heard a lot about Texas going to the Pac-12. That never happened. But you know what we never heard anything about until the day it was announced? Maryland and Rutgers going to the Big Ten. Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And then, of course, last summer, maybe the biggest bombshell of all, the Big Ten becoming a coast-to-coast league with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. We never heard about that. This is all performative by Florida State. They are sitting here saber-rattling, trying to drum up interest in themselves, and, and basically throwing the equivalent of a toddler's temper tantrum to get interest from the rest of the country. I don't know what Florida State expects to get out of all this, but I can guarantee you if they had the offers that are, are being speculated right now, they would already be in those leagues, Brian. Yeah, he, he kind of reminded me a bit of like a disgruntled NBA superstar trying to get traded to a specific spot that's like, you know, you just kind of put it out there and hope you're willing it into fruition and you try to get people talking about it and and kind of hope it becomes a thing. So, yeah, I think it's well said by you. I, I There's it, – A, it's going to be harder to – you know, they're not just going to be able to leave. So he he's also talking about a scenario that's darn near impossible, which is the – current ACC deal breaking up without some sort of major action happening. So we might, we might not have a choice, but to leave the ACC, but where are you going, pal? So I'm with you, man. They're, they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I get his frustration. Like I, I think that the ACC is in a, in a tough place and the, particularly the good football programs in the ACC, there's not a lot he can do. It right also now. felt like there was a sense of entitlement there from the Florida state administration where he says, the revenue that we're entitled to, what exactly makes them entitled to any additional revenue? Because it surely hasn't been the play on the field over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Yeah, they have the one national title with Jameis Winston and Jimbo Fisher, but Florida State has not been, the way Florida State acts and behaves with this whole thing, you would think they were Clemson. You would think they are the program that has gone toe-to-toe with Alabama that's been one of the few dynasties in this sport over the last 10 years rather than than what they've actually been, Ben. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, of the ACC in the last 15 years, they're one of two schools that has made it to the playoffs and won a national championship. So, And the, obviously they have a really big history outside of the last 20 years. Um, but still, that doesn't necessarily make you entitled to anything. Um, if you were entitled to it and you were such a big player that you thought you were, you would have gotten courted by the SEC. You would have gotten courted by the Big Ten. 
Um, to your point, it also kind of makes me think of the old Facebook when it used to be, it's complicated. Right now, the Florida State is, it's complicated with the ACC. They're kind of just waiting for someone else to come along. And I guess you almost have to package yourself these days is what it seems like. And I don't know if how the dynamics work, but maybe the FSU and Clemson have to get on good terms and package themselves together. But like you guys said, they're stuck. There's nothing they can truly do until someone finally says, hey, you know what? Your number is called. So that's the latest on realignment in the ACC. It doesn't seem like anything's happening right now. It it seems like, again, this was very much a performative act by Florida State to remind everybody that they desperately would like to get out of the ACC and that they would desperately like to be on par with the SEC and Big Ten teams. But I don't believe that anything is happening right now. I do believe that they would have to notify the ACC that they're leaving by August 15th in order to... Um, in order to play in another league for the 2024 season. So that is a deadline to watch out for, but I there's no reason to believe in my mind that Florida State's going to be making a move in the next 13 days here. On the field, this has a chance to be a very exciting season for Florida State. This is probably the most hype that I can remember around the Seminoles in some time, probably since Jameis Winston was there or right after he left at the end of that Jimbo Fisher era. So we're going to do the same preview format that we've been doing throughout all of our conference previews. We'll start with three downs, our three critical questions to understand the league. And the first down tonight The question is, is it more likely that Garrett Riley transforms the Clemson offense or that FSU finds the next gear against top competition? Because while they went nine and three last year, their losses were to the teams that are kind of at the top of the league at the 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 best competition on their schedule they lost to Wake Forest NC State and Clemson while taking care of business against everybody else. So, Brian, which one's more likely? Yeah, I, I think it's Garrett Riley for that reason. I mean, Florida State has LSU and Clemson in the first four games of the season. We're going to know the answer to that one really quickly. With Garrett Riley, we have a little bit more historical evidence to show that he can do things quickly on an offensive side, right? He got to TCU and turned the 65th ranked scoring offense into the ninth ranked scoring offense, almost 40 points a game. His his group led the FBS with 22 plays of 50 yards or more. And I just don't see a reason why he can't do that just as quickly joining Clemson. I think it's also worth calling out that if you look at the quarterbacks he's been an offensive coordinator for, it always feels like they've milked every last bit of their talent and and made it happen. So at, at SMU, he had Shane Bouchelle and Tanner Mordecai, guys who put up great numbers in his offense and were highly effective. And obviously the prime example, Max Duggan, who I don't think anybody's like accusing of being the most talented dude in the world, but he played to his strengths. He built around it and he had this explosive offense. Um, If he can do that with a talent like Cade Klubnik, I think that this Clemson offense can get back to being high flying really quickly. And so that's where I lean on this one. Ben. See, I agree with you to an extent. I do think their offense is going to look much better than it has in recent years. But I am all aboard the Florida State train. Uh, I mean, they were really good statistically last year. And even those losses that you mentioned, Stephen, they were still close. Like, they weren't blowouts. Um, and they returned so much and were really active in the transfer portal and brought new people in to kind of shore up some of those positions. They got uh, uh, Jane, Jared Verse to come back, huge player last year. And a lot of people thought he was going to leave the NFL. Top four defensive backs come back. Obviously, one of their big struggles last year was against the run. I think they let multiple people, I think it was like Louisville, Clemson, uh, someone else like run for over 200 yards. And so that's a huge, huge weakness. Um, but they have a lot of defensive line guys coming back. And on offense, you got Travis Jordan, who is pretty good. I don't know if you guys have ever watched him play, but uh, he's pretty darn good. Uh, I think he's going to maybe be in the Heisman conversation. Not sure about that. But uh, then they also got Keon Coleman from Michigan State, who was wild last year. We got to we gotta stop you. I got to stop you. It's, it's Jordan Travis. Oh, whoops. Uh, is, is his name. Oh, sorry. 
See, first uh, Travis Jordan, you know, his evil twin <laughs> might be in the Heisman race too, but Jordan Travis, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Right, as you were, uh, Keon Coleman. Keon Go Coleman, really good. Uh, so then you throw him into the mix. They got Trey Benson back. Uh, sorry, these guys with two first names just really uh, kind of threw me for a loop there. Uh, and they also got Bell from South Carolina, the tight end, who had like a bunch of carries last year too. So it's going to be a really fun offense. Mike Norvell, he knows what he's doing. He's turned it around. I think that they get over that hump. The stats were there last year that they were like a top five team in all these categories combined or something like that. So I think that this is the year that they go over the hump, they dominate, and they win the ACC. Steven, whose side are you falling on? What side of the fence, buddy? I want Brian. Uh, on paper, you're right. There's there's nothing not to love about this Florida State team. You, I'm not going to rehash all of it. They bring back a ton of ha- talent. I just believe the hardest thing in college football is is getting to that final level from going from nine wins to 11 or 12 wins. And Clemson has done it many times before. Many people have been questioning Dabo Swinney the last couple years and kind of debating, is this the end of this amazing run that Clemson has been on? Clemson can't do it forever. As Dabo likes to say, they're a little old Clemson, right? And I was one of those people. I thought maybe they'd kind of lost some of that magic. You know, they've relied on so many great quarterbacks over the years to to really carry that program. And DJU wasn't the great quarterback that his predecessors were. But the hire of Garrett Riley is really inspiring to me. It's something that I wasn't sure if Dabo Swinney had in him to go outside the Clemson system, to go outside that Clemson family and get a big-time exciting hire in here. And he went out and did it. And I think that's really uh, – it's really kind of put some uh, – it's been a breath of fresh air for – that Clemson program and shown that Clemson's not going anywhere. I think we see, we, I mean, Brian, you talked about it, how quickly TCU improved last season. They had a ton of talent there and uh, Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley came in and boom, instantly instant offense. And I expect much of the same from Clemson this year. They do have a lot of young receivers and Cade Klubnick is obviously a young, but talented quarterback, but they have a really good run game. Uh, Will Shipley, returns again I think they can rely on their their run game to you know lighten the load a little bit on on club Nick and some of those young guys early on and I expect with the talent they have and that offensive coordinator that they're going to continue to develop and grow as far as Florida State it's not an anti-Florida State thing it's more of a pro-Clemson thing Ben yeah the one thing I will say too um that you mentioned right there that just also popped in my mind is Will Shipley's very, very good. And I didn't even realize until doing this preview that uh, TCU led the Big 12 in rushing yards last year. So clearly he knows Riley how to run the ball a little bit as well. So I think it's going to be a big year for Shipley. I mean, I can't really argue with you guys. I'm just big on the Florida State train. I, I think they're talented, like you said. I think it, one thing that's like worth keeping an eye on, and I mentioned uh, – the, the very tough two of their first four games is like, they do have these expectations. They are going to be a preseason top 10 team. And it, at the same time would be like, it doesn't mean that they're bad if they start two and two, but like, that's not what their fans want to see. And I think that with the weight of these expectations, I, I don't know how, you know, I'm sure Norvell's done a nice job getting the locker room together, but that can be tough. That can be tough if you have all these expectations, you believe in yourself. They you know, LSU is really, really, really good. And if they beat Florida State, it doesn't mean Florida State isn't. But it's hard to lose a game like that right off the bat when you have these kind of weighty expectations. And obviously that doesn't impact the ACC race. But I don't know. I think it, it, there's, there's something there with like a little extra weight on your shoulders after a couple of early losses with expectations. Was it 2016 that they were like number three preseason and finished three and nine? Uh, yeah, you're intimately familiar with that. Yeah, uh, so didn't yes, want to bring no. that part of it up. It but sounds yes. right. Yeah, yeah, yes. So I don't think they go two and two, actually. I think they win one of those games outright. And I'll tell you which one when we get to our best bets at the end of the of the show here but I, I don't think they do but if in, in the event that they do start two and two I feel like there is some major 
collapse potential because the, are, the expectations are so high. These guys all came back for a reason. And just hearing Jared Verse talk at ACC Media Day, Jared Verse is a very, very confident guy. He has a lot of things that he, he feels very highly, he feels very strongly that this Florida State defense is an elite defense. And I feel like all of that bluster coming into the season, if they start two and two and they feel like their goals are no longer in front of them, then you, you do have a lot of guys with NFL draft potential there. I, I kind I could see it be turning into like an eight and four season, even though it's not an eight and four team. You have a really tough game in November on the road at Pitt. That's a game I have circled on the schedule. We don't know really how Florida is going to be this year, but you do have to go to Florida to end the year. So yeah, I think those first four games are truly critical for Florida state. We're going to know a lot about them right off the bat. And I think that's really exciting. It's an awesome way to start the college football season with that Florida state LSU game right there on Labor Day Sunday. Who would have thought three years ago that Florida state LSU would be maybe the best game of the opening weekend, the last two years. Well, if this one goes well, it's pretty crazy. I mean, to your point from before, Ben, Florida State does have quite a history. You know, it's not it's not yeah, crazy to say that Florida State and LSU. I mean, you're acting, you, you're acting both, like this is BC. Look both teams were three years ago. You're acting like this is no, BC versus Maryland on an opening weekend, and it's like the game of the weekend. It's Florida State, LSU. Yeah, yeah. They're two of the top 15 yeah. games in all of college football. But where were these teams three years ago is all I'm saying. You know, they're a little bit down. They have the talent or the name per se. But three they, years ago, LSU was seasons. one year removed from maybe the greatest offensive performance we've seen in the history of college football. Yeah, and then they <laughs> fell on their face the next year and fired their coach. So, uh, All yeah. right, Ben. All right. All right. I get you. I get your point. They were not good a couple years ago. But they are back now, as everybody likes to say about these. Say quick turnarounds. Quick turnarounds. On to the second down here. Those are clearly the top two teams in the league, Clemson and Florida State. But the question here is, can one of these other teams in the league, the middle of the pack in this league, which I would say is roughly North Carolina, Pitt, NC State, Miami, maybe somebody else, can one of those teams separate themselves from the rest of the league and actually challenge those top two of Clemson and Florida State, Ben? I thought about this a lot, and I'm going to say no, just flat up no. But the one team that I think could have fun sure. is UNC. I think UNC is going to be a lot of fun to watch on offense. Obviously, Drake May is another Heisman contender. I know you love him a lot, Steven, but I think their defense is just too porous. And I think they'll probably get into a shootout in one of these games, as they likely did last year a lot. Um, but other than that, Pitt, I think, lost too much. New Jersey is a great coach, but I just don't see him reloading enough to compete with those two with the way they're positioned. And then Miami, they're a dumpster fire. I'll believe it once they finally extinguish that. And then maybe NC State. Brian, you think anyone like NC State can kind of, you know, maybe push these guys over the edge? Yeah, I mean, listen, like my instinct is to also say no, but that's not really the thought exercise that we're going for here. Um, I think that there's two clear favorites this year. But if I'm looking for one, yeah, I think – Maybe this is the year, and this is something I never thought I'd say, to not completely hate NC State. I think like the first prerequisite for any sort of positive prediction for them from where I'm sitting is they're not really being talked about at all. Because <laughs> anytime they've had any sort of hype, they have kind of stumbled. Um, and so I like that they're not being talked about. Uh, they get Brennan Armstrong, the UVA transfer in a quarterback, you know, Really good 2021, not so good 2022 season. If he can regain any of that 2021 form, I mean, I think it's great to have an in-league experienced guy. Um, but if he can if he can regain some of that touch from 2021, I think they could do a lot. And I think the other point, uh, and, you know, you, you tend to do this in the preview season, is look at the schedule. And I really like the way the schedule goes for them. Um, they avoid Florida State. They do have Notre Dame, but they get them at home in week two. And then as far as conference home versus road games, their home games include Louisville, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami. So many of their what you would consider tougher conference games happening on their own turf. Carter-Finley can be a tough place to play. So, yeah, like like you said, like 
I would consider this a conference that is a lot of blech behind Florida State and Clemson. Um, but I think they're a team that could find their way towards the top of that sort of mishmash. I, I, I like NC State to at least outperform kind of where people are thinking that they'll go, Stephen. NC State is kind of my bull here tonight. More specifically, the combination of offensive coordinator Robert and I and UVA transfer Brennan Armstrong at quarterback reuniting with one another at NC State. NC State's offense has struggled for years, and we joked a lot last preseason about Devin Leary being the preseason ACC player of the year, and I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. He ends up getting hurt. Their offense really struggled. It just never looked good, and Dave Doran decided they needed to make a change, and I think it's a great change, and I think that marriage between those two guys is going to work great. If you look back at the 2000, I believe it was 21 season at UVA, Brennan Armstrong had a fantastic year under Robert and I, 65% completion percentage, threw for almost 4,500 yards, 31 touchdowns to 10 picks. He struggled a lot last year when Tony Elliott came in as the new head coach. I think that marriage is going to work great. And then you can always count on Dave Doran to put together a really stout defense. They lose a bunch of guys, but I think that's one of those things that you can kind of just trust on track record and history that they're going to put together a, a really stout defense. So I'm with you. I do like this NC State team. And you're right. They do seem to always perform better when they don't have the pressure on them. So I like NC State here. The other team that I do like to some extent from this group to to potentially make some noise is Pitt. So Pitt is another one of these teams where they have a reunion between a quarterback and an OC. Uh, Phil Dracovic comes in, a transfer from Boston College. He's reunited with offensive coordinator Frank Signetti Jr., who was the OC at Boston College during that great 2020 season that he had. And Dracovic really played behind a terrible offensive line last year. He got hurt two years ago. He got hit a ton last year at Boston College. And I think those two guys reuniting will be good. I don't think it will be quite the same explosive offense that I expect to see at NC State with Anai and Brennan Armstrong, but I think it will be good for Phil Dracovic. I also think that although Ben mentioned Pitt loses a lot on defense, Pat Narduzzi in that program is just a program that puts out stout defense after stout defense. Ben and I mentioned a bunch last week, this pick six preview magazine that uh, we've been reading that we really like a lot. Two of my favorite stats in that magazine is the player development rankings and the win conversion rankings. Essentially, what those two metrics do is they look at your recruiting rankings. They evaluate how well you develop players and get them drafted and how well you take recruits and turn those recruiting rankings into wins. Pitt is number two and three in the country in those metrics. Pat Narduzzi takes guys that are not the most highly recruited. He develops them. He puts them in the NFL, and they also win a lot of games. So those are the two teams that I'm looking out for. I think Pitt is an interesting – I like it a lot. I hadn't given them much thought, but you know what it reminds me of is – when we were talking in the big 12 episode and the consensus was sort of like, we don't, we don't love te- Like we're not, we're not Texas isn't the shoe in that they're being made out to be. And is OU has to make up a ton of ground from where they were last year. It's, it's kind of a, a cluster. Um, and one thing I mentioned was, uh, you know, I think I was talking about Baylor at 16 to one when there's a, a jumble Baylor always seems like a team who's like has a game to, go to the big 12 championship. That's sort of like pit for me. I think that's a great call. Like why not? If you're like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, Hey, I, I think Florida state may drop a few out of the gate and is Clemson like ready to really be Clemson. Okay. If we think that there's a spot in the ACC title game up for grabs, Pitt might be a team that is, you know, has that tough game against FSU uh, that, could really, you know, propel them forward. So I think that's a great call out and sort of one of those, like, I'm not going to act like I know more than I know, but like you can trust Pitt to be involved in the race sort of thing. I think that's cool. I got to mention their schedule here because I think that is a critically important thing. They have a pretty soft schedule. They don't have to play Clemson and they have both Florida state and North Carolina at home. And I mentioned that Florida state game is in early November. So you got a Florida state team potentially traveling up to Pittsburgh in a cold weather game, bad weather. I feel like that plays right into Pitt's hands. You also look at their road games and their conference road games are at wake forest, uh, 
Syracuse in New York City at Duke and at Virginia Tech. Not a single one of those games scares me. So I really like that schedule too. That's a big part of this. Yeah, another thing I was going to add in there with a little cherry on top is they haven't really come in with too much hype over the last two seasons. Obviously, they were kind of mediocre the year that Kenny Pickett kind of took them off. And then last year, it was like, oh, was Kenny Pickett, you know, the drop-off? I mean, obviously, they got slow this last year, but he didn't do anything. They're the only former Coastal ACC team that has a winning record in the last two years, which just, I think, speaks to Narduzzi's ability to develop the most and get the most out of his players, which is just a wild stat for me that's the only winning team in the coastal of the last impressive and that speaks to that that win conversion metric that I mentioned about Pat Narduzzi and Pitt on to our third and final down here there's been a lot of turnover in this league and it's not been with teams leaving the conference like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode but rather among the head coaching ranks in the last two seasons nearly half the league has experienced head coaching turnover four teams Miami, Virginia Tech, UVA, and Duke are in their second year with a new head coach, while Georgia Tech and Louisville are entering year one of a new coaching regime. Brian, will these changes be a net positive or negative for the league in 2023? Yeah, this is an interesting one, right? Like, I don't see any of these teams competing for a conference championship, so in that sense, like, it's not overwhelmingly positive, but I do think that there are guys who can take steps this year to get their programs eventually in good places. Um, you know, Elko at Duke is, is a good one who it already sort of felt like he was putting his fingerprints on the program even last year um, uh, in, in his first season. I think I still think Mar- Mario Cristobal knows how to build a program. I was surprised to hear, honestly, that from Ben's stat just now that they haven't uh, had a winning record over the last couple of years. Uh, but now he's in there and he's getting his guys establishing it. You know, I, I, I could see Jeff Brom having some success eventually. So I think like baby steps of positivity can be seen this year uh, with a guy like, you know, like Brent key at Georgia tech. Like, I don't, I don't know that that's going to work. And so I, I, you know, I, I think that's going to be tough. And I think it would be a, it would be a positive for the league if Georgia tech was relevant. Um, and they've had some struggles getting back to that point. So I, I, I guess it's a little bit of both, which feels like a cop out answer, but I think that there are ways for you to start to see what's coming in a positive manager manner for a few of these programs. Um, but like the Virginia techs of the world, uh, I don't necessarily feel like I see that program bouncing back to where they think they should be. Uh, particularly this year, he's recruiting really well for 24. I think they're, I think they're going to struggle this year. Um, so uh, Ben, where, where do you come down on this? Pretty much the same thing. I mean, it can only get better, honestly, for some of these teams and the way they've performed the last couple of years. I, I agree with you on Virginia Tech. They're not where they were in the heyday of the you know, 2000s, early 2010s. Miami, Chris Paul is a great coach. He's the prodigal son of Miami. I do think, you know, you get a mulligan on the first year. Maybe they can turn around this year. Elko's done a great job at Duke, and I think that they'll continue to get better this year as a team. You know, if their schedule's really tough, and we'll get to that later. And then Louisville, I'm very curious to see what Brom can do over at Louisville. Everyone's kind of like, oh, look what he did over at Purdue. So I'm curious to see. I mean, they've clearly been a fun school to watch over the last 20 years, every few years. So they've had some relevance. Um, So Georgia Tech, I mean, I'm just happy the triple option is no longer a thing. So it's always fun to see. Um, yeah, we give me that look for Stephen. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of it. I think overall it's going to be a good thing. You may not see it always on the field this year for all, you know, six of those teams that we talked about, but moving forward, I think it will be positive for all of them. Didn't appreciate the triple option slander. I'm a big fan of the triple option. You don't, you don't like it. It's not my favorite. It's an annoying little thing over and over again. I'm a big proponent that Maryland should run the triple at some point. All right. Well, you know, uh, what's his name? Paul Johnson. I don't think has a job right now. Get a strategic advantage on the uh, bigger opponent. I mean, look, when you're a program like me, I think it makes a lot of sense that they ran at Tech for years and years. I think it was they were consistently an eight win program. They went to an Orange Bowl in like 2014 or so. I I think it makes a ton of sense when you are a school like that, that has, let's call it limitations to do something unique. At one point in time, that was the air raid. Now everybody runs some version of the air raid. And I think the triple is a is 
a fun, unique part of college football. Don't tell me that you didn't like running the triple option in NCAA football. Yeah, yeah to be fair. But it's funny, in preparing for our trivia questions later, uh, I forgot What, what how... are we being fair about here? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, the fun part about it is Demarius Thomas's like when they're running the triple option so often and then all of a sudden you have huge pass plays. Those are always really fun because Demarius Thomas had 46 receptions for like 1,200 yards in 2012 or something like that or whatever, 2009. I don't remember. But it was just between him and Calvin Johnson, just having monster years randomly is also a very fun thing of the triple option. When you don't pass, but when you do. If you ever look at the most explosive pass play teams in the country, typically Army and Navy are right up there because they throw the ball so little that whenever they do throw the ball, they're hitting big plays. So, yeah, it is interesting how many good receivers did come out of Georgia Tech during that era. But as far as the turnover goes in this league, guys, I think it's creating a really unique opportunity this year for the ACC to finally get a team back in the college ball playoff. I feel like the top of this league, Florida State and Clemson, are so head and shoulders above the bottom of this league that those games, some of those games against the bottom tier teams pose almost no threats. And I do think you need some of that if you're trying to get a team in the college ball playoff because we've talked about it a ton already. Florida State's going out and playing LSU week one. You need some of those games that you're almost guaranteed to win. So I do feel like in the long term, I I strongly feel that Mario Cristobal is going to get together at Miami and he's going to build a, a monster there that's competing for college ball berths year in and year out. I feel really strongly about that. But I think in the short term, this has created all of this turnover has created this power vacuum where these teams, a bunch of these teams are just not threats at all to the middle and upper tier teams in the league, which is creating a lot more wins for those teams. And you know, nobody really cares if the bottom of your conference isn't good, if the top of your conference is. Like, nobody ever cares if Vanderbilt's not good as long as Georgia and Alabama are winning championships. So I think this creates an opportunity for for Clemson and Florida State to maybe have it a little bit easier than they've had in the past and rack up some of those easy wins and, and get themselves to a college ball playoff. I think it's fair. I think it is, you know, shout out Clark Lee. You know, he didn't deserve that. Uh, I think we, we talked about our, our third year coaches and I was going to have him on somebody who, you know, I like to see a little bit of improvement soon. You know, he's trying to do the best he can. And I think he has a super long leash, but anyway, I know that's they not, hit their not over true. last year. They hit their over last year. They so did. They sure good did. For them. Yeah. No, my point is more like, I mean, the big 10, right. There is one team in the Big Ten, well, now two, that Michigan's won a couple, that year in and year out is really a national title contender. And there are a lot of teams in that league that are not. And it doesn't hurt the perception of the Big Ten at all because you have those top-tier teams. And I feel like with Clemson and Florida State, as long as those two two teams are top-tier, it doesn't matter what happens in the bottom of the league. Nothing else matters other, as far as perception is concerned than what goes on at the top. So that's kind of my point there. Let's move on to our bull and the bear segment. This is where we talk about which player, team, coach, thing we're buying and selling in the ACC. I already gave you my bull. It's Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong reunited at NC State. I think they are going to create a really explosive offense there. Brian, what's your bull? Yeah, mine got spoiled too, but not by me. Shout out to Ben. I had, uh, you know, continuing my theme on on impact transfers, I noted Keon Coleman. That dude was a big-time player for the Spartans last year. 800 yards and seven touchdowns doesn't sound like monstrous numbers, but with the way that Michigan State was playing offense uh, to do it, on a team where they didn't really have to worry about anything. Uh, I just thought he was really impressive. Big body guy um, joins a more experienced quarterback, other good weapons on offense. Ben detailed a lot of it. I just think he's primed for a, a big, big year. Less focus on him always is good, right? You go, you go to an offense that has more weapons, which Michigan state, they just didn't really have particularly in the past game. Um, so Ben, I'll give you a shot to do another. Mine's Keon Coleman. Yeah, he's going to catch a lot of touchdowns from Travis Jordan, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) But uh, my bowl this year is I think Duke is going to be very entertaining to see how the season plays out. They had a huge turnaround last year with Elko that Brian alluded to. They went like five wins, I think, total from 2020 
in 2021. And then obviously they had nine wins last year. They have a much, much harder schedule this year. And I spent probably close to an hour today convincing myself to bet on their over and bet on their under. And I haven't figured out which way I'm going, but I mean, their schedule starts Clemson. Then they have really easy games against Lafayette, Northwestern, UConn. Then they have Notre Dame, NC State, Florida State, Louisville, Wake Forest, North Carolina, Virginia, and Pitt. So they have a gauntlet of a ACC schedule, but they pretty much returned everyone from that team last year. And so they have another year of experience. Elko's in his second year. So I'm probably going to bet on whichever one gives me better odds, which at this point is six and a half over. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see how they play out. I think they're going to be a really entertaining team this year. I hate to be talking about Duke and Brian. I hear some uh, trepidation in your voice. No, no. I, I was going to actually say I, I really like Riley Leonard. I think he's really fun he's to watch. He's he's fun and he can run and he can pass. I think he's good. So another year of experience under his belt. I just, you know, there's certain gambling losses that you're so sure on and then you will never look at the team the same way again. And I bet on them. I think they were laying a few points against Boston College and it was when Emmett Moorhead ended up playing for, for Boston College, I think for the first time. And they went in there and won. And it was just like Duke couldn't get a stop to save their lives. And uh, so I, I I really hate them on top of already hating them. Um, but I think the points you make are fair. I think the points you make are fair. Good job, Ben. You're muted, Ben. After Brian praised you and everything. You, Sorry. You I was just going to go back on Riley Leonard <laughs> saying how he was in shootouts last year with Drake May and Sam Hartman. So he's going to do it again this year with, you know, stuff such effort, as Jordan ben. Travis. So it's going to be great. That's a good Travis. Well it's done. a good call out. One uh, one interesting thing to call out with Duke is, you know, this is, and we probably should have mentioned this earlier in the episode. This is the first year in the ACC without divisions. And so it's just one big league. And Duke goes from playing a, an ACC coastal schedule, which is traditionally the, the easier of the two divisions, to having a much harder schedule. They have NC State, Florida, trips to Florida State and Louisville on the schedule. Uh, they go to North Carolina, which is a game, of course, they, they always played. But point being, oh, and they start the season with Clemson. So it, it's a much more difficult schedule than the traditional ACC coastal schedule. It'll be interesting to see how they fare against yeah. a tougher competition. Last year, they played against all five teams in the ACC who didn't make a bowl. So it's a, it's a pretty cupcake schedule. Well, while we're being negative, let's move on to our bear, the team's player coach thing that we are selling. I'll start here. For me, it's the Louisville hype. Louisville has the third best odds to win the ACC behind Clemson and Florida State. And to me, that is absolutely mind-blowing. I like Jeff Brom a lot. I think he's a fantastic coach. I always admired that Purdue program. I like that he was the one guy outside of Ohio State and Ryan Day that would actually throw the ball around and try to put up points in the Big Ten. But for them to be have the third best odds in the ACC seems insane. And Whenever I hear or read something about why, it's always the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. You got to give me a little bit more than just the fact that they have a weak schedule to put them in that conversation as an ACC contender. The other thing I hear is that Jack Plummer is transferring to Louisville from Cal. He's a guy that was in that Purdue system under Brom. Uh, he played in 17 games for Brom between 2019 and 2021. Some of them good, some of them not so good. In that 2021 season, he, he put up some good numbers, uh, seven touchdowns, no interceptions in seven games. But from as a big fan, Big Ten fan, and somebody who watched a lot of Big Ten games, Jack Plummer was never a guy that jumped off the page to me and said, "Like, wow, he's transferring to your program. You're automatically going to be good." Especially when you're coming from a quarterback like Malik Cunningham, maybe I don't know one of the five to ten most exciting quarterbacks in college football the past couple seasons. So I'm I'm selling that Louisville hype. I think Brom's going to be super successful there in the long term. He's a native son of Louisville. They're excited to have him back. He's excited to be there, uh, seemingly unlike Scott Satterfield was, who was trying to seemingly get out at the every chance available. I think it's going to be a great fit in the long term. But right now, I just can't put Louisville in, in contention for an ACC crown in year one, Ben. 
100% agree with you. I was shocked when I saw that they were third out of all the other teams that we've mentioned today, the North Carolinas of the world, the pits of the world, that they were third. That's just, that schedule bull is just too, too weak. Uh, my bears is plain and simple. We already touched on it. I just am bearing on any other team's chances besides Florida state or Kel Clemson to make the ACC championship. So it's pretty plain, pretty simple, pretty boring, but I couldn't really think of anything else that anyone was hyping. It's just you know, boring. That's no, just, that's it. Those two teams pencil them, pen them in, if you will, um, that they're going to make and go down to the championship. And I think Florida state's going to win it, but Clemson's going to win it if Florida State doesn't. So, Brian, hopefully you have a much better bear than I do because mine kind of sucks. I mean, I have, a, a, you know, more of a tangible thing, but that's okay. I thought that was a fair a fair assessment. Also, while we're talking about Louisville, uh, I think, like, this is just the, like, college football super fan in me, but Friday opener against Georgia Tech, weirdly super excited to watch that game maybe it's because it's friday and like it you get a little a little tasty treat a little appetizer um conference game but i think that that's going to be i don't know i'm just really looking forward to that and, and a fun thing to watch but i'm with you um best bet spoiler i, I couldn't believe that their total was eight and a half um I, i'm going under on louisville but as far as a bear goes um another best bet spoiler but i'm going to dig into it a little bit more uh, any sort of Virginia Tech resurgence this year, and I hinted at a little while ago, but at the end of last year, you're talking about a bottom 10 offense in all of college football. Um, and I don't think that they did anything reasonably that could you could reasonably expect them to get into the even middle tier of college football offenses. So if they can't, I think that, that that's another program that you generally expect to be relatively good on defense. And I think they will be good on defense and Brent Price, a defensive coach and yada, yada, yada. If they can't do it offensively, if they look anything resembling what they did last year, they're going to be out of games quick. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm big time selling Virginia tech as far as making progress towards being back where they wanted to be this year. It's astounding to me that they never scored 30 points last year in a single game in the college football they, era that we're they're just in. not talented just on that side of the ball. Wild. Like, it, you just, there's nothing that they, they just couldn't make it happen. It was abysmal to watch. I, I really didn't watch much of it because it was so hard on the eyes. I know everybody is optimistic this time of year, but there has been a little optimism about Grant Wells and uh, Kyron Jones, who's the other quarterback in the competition there. I mean, it, look, Grant Wells, we kind of saw what he had last year. But th there is some optimism around that Virginia Tech program. Uh, I'm not – I don't have enough here to go counter against you, Brian. I think I, I tend to believe in Brent Pry a little bit more than you do because he's been around some really big-time programs. He spends a lot of time – at Penn State, and I remember reading some things when he first got hired where he kind of seemed to understand what it would take to move Virginia Tech into the upper echelon of the sport in this era of college football, somewhere they haven't been in this era of college football, and I feel like he, he understands the infrastructure it takes and what's required, and I think he he has a good chance to do it at some point. I'm, I'm still more bullish on the future of Virginia Tech and everything that program has to offer than I think you are. But you were 100% right last year when you uh you said the Virginia schools were not going to be good and, and you were 100% right. And I guess you're a, a Virginia resident now, so you got your finger on the pulse <laughs> of the state. That's right. That's exactly the right. Commonwealth, I can't bet on them, I but I know say. what's happening. Yeah, the Commonwealth, exactly. Uh, no, I, I like I said, I, I, I was trying to temper my... Uh, anti VT take for the for the future. I do think he's recruiting well. I think this year is going to be another struggle. But I I think you know he's you can start to see in the distance what he's trying to do. I just don't think you're going to see it this time around. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's move on to some of our best bets. We've got a few of them out there already. So Ben, I'm going to start with you. Let's let's go around the horn here. We'll go one by one. Ben, you kick us off with uh, your best bets tonight. Yeah, and going with tradition of what happened on our Pac-12, I'm all in on one team again. Uh, I was going to pick another one that one of you guys have already picked, but I'll just stamp that one. Uh, so I'm going with Jordan Travis to win the Heisman. Right now he's basically 11-1, to 1, so plus 1,100. I think just with 
like Brian touted up, Keenan Coleman, that's a weapon for him. All the options that they have on offense, I just think it's going to be, he's going to have a great year. And if they live up to the hype, I feel like it's a good value at that 11 to 1. Another one that I don't think is a great value at all, but at plus 175, uh, Florida State to win the ACC at just, you know, at plus 175, it's positive odds. I think they're going to do it. It's just the train I'm on. So that's who I'm going with right now for my best bets for the ACC. Brian, what you got? So you 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 emptied emptied the whole thing. So Empty. I'll do that. Uh, that's fine. Sorry. I don't have too much. I don't it's have too all many package deal. Florida State. Yeah, so. yeah, totally. You just yep Seminoles all the way. Um, um, I, I mentioned under on Louisville eight and a half. Um, I if I said all the things I said and I wasn't on Virginia Tech under five and a half, that would be kind of weird. So those are two of them. Um, I, and you know I I don't want to steal Steven's thunder. This is a stamp by me. You get credit for the initial bet, but I like the, I like the overall on NC state They're They're sitting at six and a half. And then the only other thing that I would very nice. The only other thing that I would say is a, a, an early game. Uh, I, and I know uh, an, an opener um, that, cause I think this line's going to move uh, South Carolina, North Carolina over 61 and a half. Uh, I think that that's going to keep going up. That to me screams, Nobody's getting a stop back and forth shootout 41 38. Um, and so I, uh, I'm going to go over on that game, a little premature on game picks, but since it's an opener, I thought it fit Steven. I love that. I love trying to find some of that value. Ben and I talked a little bit last week about some teams that we thought, you know, had coaching changes and might be a little more up-tempo, a little more pass-happy than they'd been in the past. And the two teams we called out in particular, Washington State and Wisconsin, play early in the season. I believe it's week two. Both have undergone offensive coordinator changes. And I think they're going to – last year, the final score of that game was 17-14. to it ain't going to be 17 to 14 this year. So I, no, no. I really like End looking at some of that. Yeah, exactly. I like looking <laughs> at some of that, Brian. I'm with you there. So for my best bets, I'm going NC State over six and a half regular season wins. It is juice to that. It's a minus 140. I don't care. I like it enough. We, we've we laid it all out. I think that offense is going to be explosive. I trust the defense. I don't think the schedule is super hard. I see that. I see NC State more as an eight-win team than I do a six-win team, honestly. So I'm going with that one, NC State over six and a half. I'm also going in on Wake Forest under six and a half which scares me to death, but I'm going to do it. I did my analysis. I got to trust my analysis, but you, it's hard to go against Dave Clawson. What he does is he proves guys like me wrong at every turn, but they just lose so much offensively. Sam Hartman transfers from Wake to Notre Dame. They lose A.T. Perry, who was a fantastic wide receiver. They lose a ton. If you look at those TARP ratings that I've been referencing a lot this offseason here, uh, they are a net TARP of minus eight, a net offensive TARP of minus seven, and they had a, a very bad defense last year. I don't see that defense improving much, so I got to go with Wake Forest under six and a half. And just a note for everybody, it, this is why it's so important to shop around, play on multiple books if you're betting, because I got this at minus 125 on BetMGM. On FanDuel, it's minus 144 right now, so save yourself some of that juice and, and shop around. And then Steven, the last, yes, sir. I would like to stamp that pick. So stamp it up. make the sound. There we go. Just their schedule is brutal too. They pretty much play every team that we mentioned being in the upper echelon, including Notre Dame and the ACC. So having to get seven on that schedule, good luck, buddy. Excellent job diversifying your picks, Ben. Yeah. Well, I was going to pick it and I had it on my list until I read that Steven already picked it. And I was like, all right, stamp time. For my last pick here, I'm going to take a little bit of a shot at longer odds. And what I'm really looking at here is I'm looking at in case Clemson or Florida State does falter, in case Florida State starts out 2-2, two and two, they decide that they're not all in on this season, maybe Cade Klubnick isn't the next great Clemson quarterback, and those young receivers don't quite develop the way we think. In the rare event that happens, who can step up? in their wake. And my pick is Pitt. So I am betting Pitt at a half unit plus 750 to make the ACC title game. I don't 
think it's going to happen. I'm not saying I expect it to happen, but at a little bit longer odds, I'm going to take a little bit of a shot on it, a shot at that one, you know, in case something does happen and those teams at the top falter. Because let's be honest, neither Florida State or Clemson has been infallible like Georgia or Alabama has been in the SEC the last couple of years. These are still teams while I think they have significant talent advantages. Also, Clemson has some significant questions. And then Florida State, to me, still has that question of can they do it? Can they be that elite offense? Can they be an elite defense against the really top tier teams on their schedule? Because you look at that NC State game last year. I mean, this offense, which was great by every metric, wasn't great in that game. Nobody won who watched that game, honestly. So I still have some question marks about those teams. I think they're really good. I like everything about both of them. If if I'm forced to pick, I say one ends up running the table, or not running the table, but going 11 and one, something along those lines, making the college ball playoff. But just in that event, somebody falters. I'm going to go with Pitt at plus 750 to make the ACC title game. Any other bets, guys? No, sir. That's it for me. Going once, going twice, sold. Those are our ACC best bets. We're going to wrap up tonight with trivia. The current standings, Ben, three wins. I have one win. Brian has no wins, and Ben is jangling his round around his championship chain here. Of course, tonight the topic is ACC football trivia. Ben will be our host to kick off the opening round. It's Brian versus Steven. Brian trying to advance to his first championship game and uh, get a win. So let's go, Ben. All right. Here we go. So a little bit different, but very similar uh, style. Oh, because boy. there's been some. Com- Please allow me to take 14 minutes to explain well, the rules to my. There's been team. some complaints that some of us are only winning because of the order in which the questions are asked. Sure. So, oh, is this like a buzzer? Buzzer. Hey, we're, you guys are gonna have to buzz with something. Just your mouths. Yeah. So yeah, we're welcome to Bearded Benny's Ball Game Bonkers, and what we're gonna do is two Who Am I's, one on offense, one on defense. So I'm gonna tell you because the first time there's some controversy of when the clue was ended. So I'm gonna say clue number one, and you guys are whoever you get one guess per clue. And whoever blurts it first gets the first opportunity to answer for that clue. Understood? Are the rules from the parameters understood? Do we blurt the understood? answer or do we blurt something else? Let's uh, just blurt the answer. Blurt the no answer. You can blurt buzz if you want to buzz with your noise or with your mouth. But uh, we don't have any buttons to push. So, uh, would you guys like to start with offense or defense? You're the host. Alright, we'll go with offense first. So... <clears throat> I was not a big high school recruit by any means, but I was looking for a university close to home and one that had strong and competitive football program with a major emphasis on academics. End of clue. Yeah, there he's going to start out hard, all right? But you're going to get it by the end. Trevor Lawrence. Incorrect. Matt Schaub. Incorrect. Clue number two. Yeah, that's good. Spent four years at this school, started his junior year, really got some hype heading into his senior year, and there was a lot of buzz around him coming into his senior year. And this by happened in the last 20 years, by the way. You'll get it soon, all right? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Okay. Philip Rivers. <laughs> Incorrect, but good guess. Uh oh, good guess. Um, I I don't know. Uh, Drake May, move on. Correct. All right, here's a good clue. Had a great senior year. Won ACC Offensive Player of the Year, ACC Player of the Year. Proceeded to be a cover athlete for NCAA football 2009. Got a pretty prominent nickname in which the beginning of his senior. Matt year. Ryan. Correct. Okay. Good job. Maddie Ice. Yeah, he <laughs> he is he launched MaddieIce.com where fans and media Oh have, he did it? He did it. Oh, there's nothing worse than self-proclaimed nickname. Oh well, yeah. no, he launched the website that was where fans and media had twenty-four hour access to his video highlights, biographical information, and other information. 
It's a real bummer. I couldn't be couldn't sell some T-shirts and make some money. It's still semi early ish internet days. I mean, uh, yeah. he he was in school the same time we were. I, I give him yeah. credit for being entrepreneurial. To be fair, my final clue was suffered a major upset loss on November tenth, two thousand seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Maryland. all right, Steven. You gotta get this one. Be in your test. All right. Is it the same format? Same, same format. So it's defense. Same format. All right. Went to college. Yeah. Well, <laughs> clue number one. A lot of classes. Three-star defensive recruit out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, no go on. Okay. Clue number two. <laughs> Technically only played one year in the ACC, but set the world on fire, winning ACC Defensive Player of the Year and was unanimous All-American his senior year. Technically only played one year in the ACC. But four years in college. Yeah, there's, a, yep, yeah, <laughs> lot, lot go to go on. off of there. <laughs> yeah, right. let's go. In that one year, he set the ACC record with twenty eight and a half tackles for a loss, and got up to sixty six for his whole career, which is fourth all time, but first in any Power Five school. Most tackles for loss ever in ever Power Five. In Power Five, ever. Keep going. Uh, or Steven might have something. Steven might no, have something. I'm just guessing. All I can think of is Miami players who are well before their ACC days that are in their Big East days. That's all I got. Okay. So go on. The last and final clue. Uh-oh. Three-time NFL guess <laughs> player of the year, defensive player of the year. Three-time NFL defensive player of the year. Yeah. Most tackles Still for a current ever. NFL player. Aaron Donald. Yes, sir. You got it correct. All yeah, right. that that's that's a good that's good job. All right. That's it wasn't a good we job. We probably should have had that. Yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Bad All job. right. So yeah. tiebreaker question: We have a number. Whoever gets closest to the number advances to the final round. Philip Rivers is the all-time passing leader in ACC history. How many career passing yards does he have? Thirteen thousand eight hundred. Okay, you have been noted. I'm going one over Brian. Thirteen thousand eight hundred and one. Okay. Well, you should have gone one under Brian because it was thirteen thousand four hundred and eighty-four. So Brian advances to his first championship. Wow! 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 Both pretty good guesses though, because we've been pretty far off on those before. Congratulations, Brian. Thank you so much. All right, I'll take over hosting duties here, and I'm going to try to keep it uh, a bit shorter than that. <laughs> I thought yeah. the out of pace. We'll try to effort some guesses quicker. Defensive player of the year might have made sense, but no. No, that was a good. That was a good. That was honestly a good one. That was fine. We should have. Brian good, and I should have yeah. got it earlier. It's a little. Yeah. I, we're just not very good at this, guys. But Brian going <laughs> for his first ever win. Ben looking <laughs> to continue his dominance. Here we go, boys. Championship round. Ben, as the defending champion, you will get this first question. Maryland's last ACC conference game was a 41-21 win over NC State in 2013. Maryland's quarterback in that game threw for two touchdowns and rushed for three more. Who was he? I was really hoping you were going to ask the team because I knew it was NC State. Um, Rush for... I hear typing. I hear typing. Yeah. Hands up, boys. I have not typed. Um, one of us are notorious for hearing our keyboards when we type. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> um, God, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to say I can't. I can picture him, but I can't think of his name, and it's not right. But I'm just going to throw out an oldie name of Chris Turner, even though he wasn't in school at that time. I just nope. I'm blanking on the name. Incorrect. Brian, to you. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't. I definitely don't have it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll keep it short. I don't know. Oh, man, guys. CJ Brown is the answer. That's who I pictured yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I thought uh, I, that that's one we should have gotten. I thought yeah, that yeah, the rushing yeah. touchdowns might might be a helpful hint there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nevertheless, yeah, yeah. moving well, on to our second question here. Trivia. It's tough. It is. It's a tough game. We're not, again, not very good at this, except for maybe, maybe Ben. All right, question number two. Brian, this one goes to you first. Maryland, our alma mater, won nine ACC titles before leaving the league. 
Only one other member of the ACC has ever left the conference. They won their one and only conference title at 19, in 1969. Who is this school? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, South Carolina. Ding, ding, ding. That's it, Brian. Wow. Your South Carolina Gamecocks uh, won the ACC in 1969, Woo! later left the conference. They were a charter member, uh, eventually went, I believe, independent, then in the Metro Conference, and then ended up in the SEC. And, Brian, with that, you are the champion <laughs> tonight. Off, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, it feels good, guys. Listen, I know we have a lot of time, so I'll try to keep my acceptance speech uh, nice and short. Uh, it's been an uphill climb, and, uh, you know, I feel really good about it, so thank you. Start keeping the music. <laughs> he played me off quick. <laughs> That's it. Brian is on the board with the championship. The standings here. Ben, f- four? I already forgot. Do you have four, Ben, or three? Three. 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 Ben, three. Brian won, and I also have one. Things are tightening up here. Brian, with an absolute, that seemed like a prayer. That seemed like a heave from half court the way you said Very it. Guess. But you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, one one bonus question here while we have time, because I want to start end the show the way we started the show, talking about Florida State here. Florida State joined the ACC in 1992. How many straight conference games did they win before losing their first ever conference game, Ben? 17. Okay, Brian. Uh, uh, 21. Brian's a little closer there. One of my favorite stats in ACC history, Florida State won 29 consecutive games, wow, going 8-0 wow. and in their first three seasons. They finally lost a November Thursday night game in Charlottesville in 1995. So, look, start off the show by being a little bit critical of FSU here, but it is a tremendous history in football at that school, and uh, they have a big opportunity this year. Guys, really looking forward to this ACC football season. I think one of the most anticipated in the while in a while, we should have a great head-to-head matchup at the top with Clemson and Florida State early on in the season and I can't wait to watch it with you guys that's our show for tonight and until next time keep the grill hot and the cooler cold